Hey, there's some joy in the house of the Lord today. Come on, who's grateful to be, have been set free by Jesus? Come on, that's amazing. You can be seated in the house of God. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. Thank you for making time to worship Jesus, grow in our faith together. Hey, God's got some good things in store today. If you have your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 12. Just be patient. We'll get there here in a moment. Before we dig into God's word today, I want to just bring an update to you as our church family about something that the Lord has just recently really initiated and stirred and called us to have faith for. And that's the initiation, the formation of an elementary school starting with kindergarten through third grade right here at Rev City Church. You know, we're, we're not, I'm personally, I've been involved in that before. I'm not naive to all the things that it takes to build it and to establish it and to launch it in a way that it accomplishes its vision and mission with excellence and brings honor to God and partners with parents to educate children. But the Lord is providing. The Lord is providing. And here's the thing is, I believe that really, when you think about it, vision and provision, God's provision, and I believe he's given us the vision. It's not something that in our flesh we want any part of. There's a lot of work and effort that it's going to require of us, but we believe that it has the heart of God behind it. And as elders, as we've just kind of looked around, we, we asked ourselves, based on everything we're experiencing in our culture, and it's no longer just a secular version of education as contrasted with a faith-based education. There are now many things, agendas, that are being perpetrated upon our youngest minds in a season of their life where they are forming their, their worldview. And so we want, we, don't, we want Rev City Church, come on, we have a heart for the kingdom and, and we talk about this all the time. That calls us to get the message of the gospel outside the four walls of the church. We wanna be engaged in the community. We wanna, some of you, maybe God will even call you to be involved in school boards and helping to bring about the change that we need to see happen in certain areas. We are not about building a fortress of holy solitude. But what we realize and recognize and we asked ourselves, is it part of our mission and our mandate to partner with parents to help to disciple and educate the youngest of our kids, to help them to know God and to help them to begin to form a worldview that will allow them to not just be, uh, to not be of the world, but to be in the world. To be like modern day Daniels who live in a culture that is opposing God and, 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 and call, calling people to bow their knee to the things of the world, but they are able to stand and serve and be able to shine the light of Jesus in a way that causes others to see and know that there is a God who is Jesus. So we stepped out in faith and God has begun providing many people throughout the community and from this church home have expressed interest in enrolling their children. Many educators and administrators have applied and we're in the process of interviewing. We hired the first couple of staff people over the weekend. We'll be excited to begin sharing those individuals with you in the coming week. But I wanna encourage you, I wanna pray over that whole entire vision. I wanna encourage you, if you're a parent of a child in K through third, and this is something that you would even just desire more information about, would you go to revcity.com school Right there at that website, there's all the information. There's a parental interest form. And listen, this we're establishing this 
For, for anyone in our community who desires a unapologetically Christ-centered and faith-based education that has high academic standards and that believes that we should, should instill in our young people the value of hard work and determination and service to God and man and nation, that's, those are some of the vision and values of what this is gonna represent. It's for anyone in our community, but it's especially in our heart that this will be a resource to Rev City Church families. And so as such, we've made a, a discounted tuition rate for active tithing church members. And so, listen, it's, it's coming to pass. We are, we've circled a date. Wednesday, September 8th will be the first day of classes. And so there are, there's forward motion. There's a lot that get, needs to happen. And so hopefully that date, and there's, in, in some ways, there's a lot of faith that we're having to apply to this, but in other ways, we see that the Lord is providing, he's stirring the hearts of parents to be interested, he's bringing the people that we need, and so I trust that we'll be able to celebrate what God does on September 8th, and I believe it's just the beginning. We, we talk about it all the time, one of the defined values of our church family is dream big and start small. And so we'll trust the Lord for what it looks like for the way forward. We want his plan, his will, his heart. But go check it out if you're a parent, if you're an educator, and you would like to apply for one of the remaining positions, you can also go to revcity.com school. There's a teacher educator interest form there. And would you pray with me over that entire vision? It's substantial. It's significant. I believe it's near and dear to the heart of God. And I believe that as we pray and pursue and do our part, which is just be diligent, to steward the vision that God's given us, I, I really believe that he's going to move mightily and it's gonna be a tremendous blessing to our families, our children, and our community. So let, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the vision that you've stirred. We don't take it lightly. We don't receive it lightly, God. And we say we need you, God. We need you to move. We need you to provide. We need you, Lord, to, to help us to form and fashion and shape this in a way that it can accomplish everything that's in your heart, God, to, for it to accomplish, God, that it, we would educate and disciple and equip our children, Lord, to achieve, to excel, to lead, to serve their community, Lord, and to do it all in the name of Jesus. And we thank you what a privilege it is going to be to partner with parents to see our children be raised up in a way that they can go and be world changers for Christ. And we again, Lord, we just present it before you. Thank you for breathing upon it with your spirit and with your mighty hand. Thank you for bringing the people and the families and the children that you have in your heart in this season, Lord. Thank you that when the enemy comes in like a flood, your word says that you will raise up a standard against it. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this school would be part of us saying we want to we wanna not just see some of the things that need to change in our culture and our community, but we're willing to be part of the solution. And so we just thank you, Lord, for your provision, your hand upon it. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Hey, would you continue to pray with us as that is taking shape? And we'll look forward to hopefully hearing from some of you parents and or educators that are interested in more information there. All right, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12, if I didn't tell you to already. Super excited about the series that we're beginning today, and especially about the message that the Lord has put on my heart today. And we're starting a series called This Means War. And the idea behind this series, and here's the thing is, I didn't know as we were finishing up this most recent series, I really didn't know um, the direction that the Lord was going to call us to go to as we finish out the summer. And as I do often, I, I get away with the Lord, I spend time with the Lord, I open up the word of God, I just begin to ask him, I carry you guys in my heart before the Lord. I say, Lord, what is on your heart to speak and impart to your children, to your people, to this family of God? And the Lord is just so faithful, so gracious, he begins to just speak or highlight or prompt something in my spirit. And sometimes it takes um, a, a perseverance and other times just quickly the Lord begins to download things to me 
And in this season, in this situation, the Lord just began to immediately just begin to download messages and I just began to type notes and type concepts and the Lord began to remind me of scriptures to bring a series that will help to equip and inform and empower, reveal or remind to you as a man of God, a woman of God, a disciple, a Christ follower, about how to live in the fullness of the victory and the power that Jesus has made available to you. So this is a series about how to, how to win the spiritual battle over your life, over your mind, over your heart, over your marriage, over your family, over your teenagers, over our city, over our region, over our culture, our nation, and our world. There's a spiritual battle. The Bible is very clear about it. We'll dig into it some this morning. There's a spiritual realm over your life. There's a spiritual battle that's being waged. And right from the start, let me just establish the precedent and the foundation of it all. Jesus has made a way for you to be victorious over every battle, over every scheme, over every opposition that the devil could ever launch against you. It's true. But we have to do our part. We have to do what the Bible says. We have to stand firm. We have to take up the shield of faith. We have to wear the helmet of salvation. We have to put what the Bible describes in Ephesians 6, and we'll get there later, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the offensive weapon. We have to walk and do warfare according to the way the Bible says, which is not carnal. The Bible says our weapons are not carnal, which means they're not the weapons like the world is accustomed to using to fight its battles. But we have spiritual weapons that are mighty for the pulling down and the destruction of strongholds and the tearing down of anything that exalts itself against God. And so through this series, we're going to help us to embrace the reality that there is a battle. But to understand that there's a greater reality, and that's that we battle from a posture and a position of eternal victory and peace. That we could never win in our own strength. Jesus came and he won it for you and for me at the cross of Calvary when he lived a perfect blameless life and presented himself as an offering and a sacrifice, shed his blood upon that cross, went to hell and got the keys and came back and gave them to you and me so that we might rule and reign in victory and authority, not just for eternity, but in this present day and age. That's the heart of God for you. Not just for your preachers or your elders or your deacons or your pastors. That's the heart of God for every man, every woman, every young person who will call upon the name of the Lord and put their faith and trust in him. That's the heart of this series. That's the heart of this series. Equipping the people of God to live in the victory as we engage and realize the reality of spiritual battles over our life. Listen, there's, there's good news that you're going to discover in this series and that's that some of the battles and the challenges and the struggles and the opposition that you're up against is not just happenstance, it's not just chance, it's not just because of blind luck or dumb luck or whatever, you didn't just kind of happen to be going through those things, it's because we're gonna see through God's word there's an enemy of your soul who is opposing every place where there's promise, power, or potential in your life. And when we begin to realize that, we can dig into God's word. We can find the weapon of the warfare that we need to apply at the right time to begin to, in a new or fresh way, begin to win those battles where in maybe previous seasons the enemy has pushed us around. So can we pray over this morning's word, pray over the trajectory of the whole series? And I want to encourage you. I know you might miss a Sunday or two over the next six weeks. Labor Day's coming up and so on and so forth. But I want to really encourage you and implore you. This series, maybe more than any I preached in a long time, is one I want to encourage you to stay connected to it. Yeah. 
Because today we're opening some things up, we're laying some foundations, and in the subsequent weeks we're going to dig in and take some deeper dives into some real practical ways to walk in spiritual victory. And so stay tuned with this and just watch. My heart and my hope is that on the other side of this series, come on, the people of God known as Rev City Church, that's you and that's me, come out on the other side of this series more aware of the enemy's schemes and more equipped and aware of and prepared to walk in the weapons of the warfare that Jesus has given us to walk in victory. And that, I mean, really, in real ways, real terms, we begin to experience a new season of, of victory and freedom and peace and joy in your heart, in your mind, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace. That's the heart of God for you. So come on, let's pray. I'll pray for us corporately. You pray for yourself, your circumstance, your unique challenges and opposition, the places where maybe you're experiencing or encountering a battle or a skirmish or maybe even full-blown warfare over your life, over your identity over your future, over your mind, over your peace. The Lord is going to, I, I trust that he is going to. He, he's put this on my heart as your pastor because he wants to do something in your life. He wants to impart something to you. He wants to remind you of something or reveal something to you that allows you to walk in more freedom and victory in this season. And Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for the victory of Jesus. Thank you that the battle does belong to the Lord, but we have a, a, a part to play. There's a posture that we can find, Lord, that allows ourselves to rest in the shadow of your wing and allows us to abide in the victory of Jesus. And I pray in this day, in this season, in this hour, through this series, God, that you would help the people of God, every man, every husband, every woman, every wife, every young person, every youth group member, Lord, every person, Lord, that we would, we would find and discover, Lord, your heart for us to walk in a greater level of freedom and victory and joy and peace and confidence and security and identity that we would begin to recognize the way that the enemy who is a liar has come to try to deceive or to trick or mislead us or accuse you to us or accuse us one to another. We say, Lord, that today our hearts are open. We're leaning in, God. We want to know and hear what your word has to say about this topic and about this season, Lord, so that we can do what you have in your heart for us to do. Stand firm, stand fast, stand our ground and even take ground for the kingdom of God for the glory of Jesus. And come on, all of God's precious people said with a shout, say amen if you believe it today. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1, and here's where we're picking up. This is the revelation that God brought through the Apostle John. There's some debate, but most theologians believe that this was not written by the disciple John, but by the Apostle John. He's been imprisoned on the island of Patmos, and he's 92 years old as he's writing this. So by the way, if, you, if you're one part of our older crowd here, our older generation of worshipers here at Rev City Church, don't dismiss. God's not done with you. 92 years old, imprisoned on the island of Patmos, and he's receiving this download from heaven that we know is the book of Revelation. And we pick it up in verse 12, and he's talking about the fall of Lucifer from heaven. And, and we'll read it. You'll see some of the deep, profound, prophetic language. And listen, this revelation can be a little bit hard to understand. It's deep, it's profound, it's somewhat mysterious. But I believe that it's powerfully important that the people of God dig in and, and, and read and discern and hear what the Spirit of the Lord was speaking to John, to the, through John, rather, to the church, which is you and I. 
So I'm gonna read, we're going to read quite a bit of this chapter. I'm going to stop in a few places and kind of unpack a few of the things to help us to kind of understand some of the deep, symbolic, prophetic imagery that resides in this book. Not only will I think it help us to, to discern a little bit more about what God is speaking through this chapter, but I think as you read the word of God in, 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 in its entirety, and especially the rest of the book of Revelation, there are some things that the Holy Spirit wants to begin to give you the ability to discern and receive from what the Lord was speaking to uh, the Apostle John. So let's read together. Allow me to read over us. Verse 1, Revelation chapter 12. And, and, and John writes through the, through the angel of the Lord. He writes, Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. And I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Now, so we'll read on and you'll see even in more specific language here in a moment that most theologians agree universally that this is speaking of the nation of Israel. And some people could say, well, is it speaking about Mary, the Virgin Mary, because the Lord was conceived of a virgin by the Spirit of God. But it says right there, 12 stars and there are 12 tribes of Israel and it's speaking about the seed or the lineage of the Messiah who is Jesus, which is the people of Israel. And so read on with that context in mind. Let's read on together. And it says, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on his heads. And his tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky and threw them to the earth. And we'll see another verse later on in the chapter speaks towards the same event, which is the, 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 the casting out, the throwing down of one-third of the, of the heavenly principalities or angels that went with Lucifer, who was one of three covering angels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. And this is speaking of Lucifer's uh, falling away and his casting down from heaven and that his tail swept along with him a third of the heavenly angels that are now operating as demonic principalities who are on a mission to interfere and meddle in the lives of God's most precious creation and commodity, which is you which is you. Satan's been defeated. Satan's been defeated, and we'll read specifically about that in numerous ways this morning and throughout the series. Satan's been defeated, and now he's on a mission to keep you from experiencing the fullness of a relationship with God and the fullness of the heart and the hope and the blessing and the goodness and the victory that God through Jesus Christ desires for you to walk in as a blood-bought child of God. So, that's what we're reading about. And read on. It says, his tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. And you recall, whenever there was news that the Messiah was about to be born, was about to be brought into the earth, you remember that there was a governmental edict that was put out to kill all the babies of the day. Do you remember? Mary and Joseph actually had to flee the land and go to Egypt to protect the baby Jesus who was about to, 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 to step into his role as the Messiah. And so that's what we're reading about here in prophetic language. And by the way, this is interesting. There was a governmental edict given out to, to kill the, the babies and the children. I know it's horrific of the day when Jesus was anticipated to be born into the earth. Do you remember the same thing happened when Moses was being born? And he's a type and a shadow of Christ, a deliverer sent by God to rescue God's people out of a place of bondage and take them into a place of promise. And you remember in that season as well, remember there was an edict that was given to kill the babies of that day. 
And it's why Moses was put in the river and discovered by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in Pharaoh's house. And it was all a part of God's plan that he redeemed to lead to the deliverance of the people of God. You remember that? Now, let me encourage you with something. A few decades ago, there was a governmental edict that went out in this land that authorized and released and empowered the killing of unborn babies. Hasn't always been that way. And I'm not making uh, a lot of political statements today, but I will say this. As the people of God, I believe that we should be unapologetically and wholeheartedly pro-life. Hasn't always been that way, but there was a government edict that allowed and authorized the termination of unborn babies. Is it possible that it's because we are one day closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? That that spirit was activated when there were the, the children being born in the day of Moses, where God was doing something, ushering in a deliverer who would rescue his people out, and then when Jesus was coming, the sending of a deliverer who would be born into the earth and who would rescue, is it possible that the generation right now that's being born is the generation that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return and rescue out? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, and we'll talk and preach about that more in the fall when I'm, as I'm preparing to preach an entire series on the end times. Man, we need to pray. We need to pray. Pray for the heart of our nation. Pray for the hearts of those in governmental positions. Here, here's the good news is that in both of those seasons when that, those governmental edicts were put out, the will of the Lord still stood. Satan, and I mean, how demonic is that? To kill an entire generation of babies to keep the provision of God from being released into the earth, we need to pray for the heart of our nation. Read, listen, all right, let's read on, read on. And we just read, Lucifer stood ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. And we're speaking of the nation, the people, the lineage of Israel who is giving birth. In verse 5, she gave birth to a son who was to rule all the nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God and his throne, saved, preserved. The enemy wanted to devour but could not because he's defeated. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days, your translation might say a time and two times and half a time. Verse seven, then there was war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels and the dragon lost the battle. Someone ought to say amen, thank you Jesus. He and his angels were forced out of heaven because of their pride, because of their rebellion. And we'll dig into that in a subsequent message in this series. They were forced out of heaven. Read on, verse 9, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. And those are some other messages that we'll get into, that those are not just pet names that God gave the enemy of him, himself and his people. Those are descriptors that have meaning that are intended to unpack some of the strategies and the schemes and the methods of, of the enemy that are now perpetrated against us. So we'll dig into that in the coming weeks called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. How many of you could just see all the deception that's being perpetrated against people? It says, he was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. In verse 10, then I heard a loud voice 
shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and our sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore, rejoice, say rejoice. rejoice. O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice, say rejoice. rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has but a little time. In other words, he's been judged and defeated eternally. We can rejoice because the authority of Jesus and the power of heaven has triumphed over sin, death, and the grave. He says, rejoice. But then there's a, there's a big but. <laughs> but terror will come. It's okay, you can laugh at church a little bit if that's... <laughs> Wisdom is telling me to just move on from that joke and just keep preaching the word. But terror, rejoice, but terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing he has little time. So he's been judged eternally, and now we live in the age where he has been cast down. And now, because he can't touch God, and he can't defeat God, and he's tried that, and it didn't go well for him, now he's in the season where he's interfering in the lives and the hearts and the minds of God's children and God's marriages and God's families and God's churches and God's communities to try to interfere, to try to meddle in, to try to separate the people of God from the plans and the heart and the goodness and the mercy and the peace and the security and the identity identity that God has intended and established and delivered and, and, and defined for his people to experience and enjoy. I say it all the time, and it bears repeating, everywhere where there's power, potential, or promise, you better expect opposition. And now we have an adversary. That's that word, Satan, Satanus, in the Greek, it's, it's adversary or opposer of all that is good. And it says, verse 13, reading on, it says, when the dragon realized he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had, been give, who had given birth to the male child. And again, we're speaking of the people, the nation, the faith of Israel, which was the lineage and the seed of Christ. And it says, when he had been thrown down in anger, he pursued the woman. And listen, it's amazing to look around through history and even science, the way that the world around us oftentimes is confirming the truth of God's word. And right here, 2,000 years ago, we have it written in prophetic language that the enemy would launch a strategic attack on the nation of Israel because it was the lineage of Christ. And the history books have proven it to be true. A people group who are a fraction of the percentage of the population of the world a piece of land that's smaller than the Texas panhandle where I grew up is the centerpiece of world news. Have you ever asked yourself why? Why? And I understand that there have been other places where there have been genocides and there are other nations and places where there have been people who have been marginalized, oppressed, or, or whatever. But I mean, there, we, I, can we all agree that there has been a special focus even to the extermination and eradication of the entire people group known as the nation of Israel. 
We see it right here. Written in prophetic language 2,000 years ago before it ever began to happen to materialize. Because it was the seed, it was the lineage, it was the people of faith who had covenanted with God, made covenant with him and walked with him and, and, and Christ came through that lineage. It says he pursued the woman who had been given, who had given birth to the male child. But here's another but. She was given two wings like those of a great eagle so he could, she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. Side note there, some prophetic people even believe that this could be possibly one of the places where the United States of America is referenced in biblical prophecy because of the fact that we have provided and sold the F-15 Eagle to the nation of Israel. It's the key piece and centerpiece of their armed forces and their air force power. But, but that's kind of a side note. Read on. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, a times, and half a time. And then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth, but the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against who? The rest of her children. Catch this. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. So Pastor T, I thought we were talking about the people in the nation of Israel. We are, but if you read in the Bible, we've been grafted into that people. By faith, the covenant, the promise, the blessing of Abraham, read Galatians, we've been grafted into this people. And watch what it says. It says, he declared war because he had been eternally and soundly forever defeated in the heavenly realms, cast down to the earth, and now he has declared war against you because you are the thing, the person, the commodity that matters most to God. And he can no longer touch God, but we see it all the time. We see it all the time. He can hurt what matters most to God. He can hurt children. He can destroy and divide marriages. He can divide churches. He can inflict disappointment that leads to anxiety, that leads to despair, that leads to depression, that leads to suicide. We see him. We see the warfare. There's a battle. There's a battle. There's a spiritual battle. And again, it's good news because maybe if you feel like you've been beat up by the devil, you feel like your mind and your heart and your sense of identity and purpose has been destroyed or stolen from you, I'm telling you through this series, you need to lean in because God's heart and his intention is to remind you of or reveal to you the weapons of the warfare that he has provided to you so that you can begin to win that battle from this day on. He declared war against all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. There's gonna be a battle. And you're gonna win. There's gonna be a battle. But you're gonna win. We don't do new believers any favors not helping them to see what the truth of God's word says. There's going to be a spiritual battle over your life. And before you give your life to God, Satan is not your adversary. He's just your master. 
But once you begin to pursue God and live for God and build the kingdom of God and evangelize others and tell them about Jesus and the eternal life that we found and the, and the security on this side of eternity and the healing of our hearts and the, the healing of our mind and the restoration of our soul and the reconciliation of our relationship, you begin to live that life and it gets Satan's attention and he begins to oppose you. There's going to be a battle and you're going to win. If you'll take a hold of what God's word has to say about how to wage war. And much of the church is so under-equipped and aware of the reality that there is a spiritual realm and a battle and the reality of what God has determined and decided and delivered to you and me that we have access to these weapons of warfare. And can I just tell you, it would be easier for me to preach. There's, there's a lot of topics that I could preach on that would be maybe a little bit more seeker-friendly or a little bit more easier to digest. But I'm determined that the men and the women and the young people and the children of Rev City Church are going to be equipped and strengthened with everything that the Word of God has to say about how to live in victory in God. No longer getting beat up by the devil. No longer getting pushed around. When you begin to discover that there's a spiritual realm over your life, you can begin to come against those things with a little different approach. The Bible says not to be conformed to the patterns of this world. The Bible says that there are, are weapons that we have access to that are not carnal. They're not of the world. We don't fight like the world fights. But they're mighty, the spiritual weapons that God's given us that we'll dig into through this series. They are mighty, according to God's word, for the pulling down of strongholds and the tearing down of everything that exalts itself against God and the victory of Jesus that's been delivered to you and me. This is a message of victory. This is not a series that glorifies Satan, but it is a series that's going to expose Satan. This is a God honoring. We are not, we're gonna talk a little bit about the enemy and his schemes because the Bible tells us that we should. Look, look, look what 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's saying, you need to be alert because you need to understand that there's an enemy who's going around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion, there's only one lion, and that's the lion of Judah. But he goes around like a lion looking for whom he may devour. And I appreciate the power of that one little word, may, because it implies he's looking for opportunity. He doesn't have divine ability. It doesn't say that he can devour you. It said he may devour you. He's looking for open doors. He's looking for patterns of sin. He's looking for open word curses. He's looking for those things that have opened up opportunities. He's looking for pride and sin and rebellion and things that have opened a door for him to sneak in. And that's exactly what he does because the Bible says that he's more crafty in Genesis, 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. He's more crafty, your translation might say more cunning, than all the animals of the field. And again, what God is showing us throughout the word is he's trying to help us to understand the adversary, the opposer of everything that is good and godly. And he describes him as a dragon. He describes him as a serpent. And here's what I know about serpents is you've ever heard that term like a snake in the grass? It's because the snake in the grass, you can't see it oftentimes until you've stepped on it and it's bit you. And it would be easy to recognize the work of the enemy if like in the cartoons he showed up 
with a red suit and a forked tail and a pitchfork and pointy ears and knocked on your door and said, I'm devil H Satan and I'm here to attack your family or your marriage or your heart or your mind. It's not how he works. He goes around like a roaring lion. He's prowling for prey. He's looking for the one that gets isolated from the herd or from the pack, which is God's people. He's looking for the one who has opened a door through pride or sin or rebellion or lust or witchcraft. He's looking for those open doors. That's the way that he has access to you. And you today and through this series can learn how to close the door to Satan. I, I was joking with the staff earlier. I was telling them about what the Lord was speaking to me and everything, and I ended up titling this series, This Means War, I almost titled it, Shut the Front Door. <laughs> Come on, just have some fun with it. Look at your neighbor and tell him, shut the front door. The Bible says that sin crouches at the door. Man, what doors maybe just cracked open in your life? What, what, what door in your, to your heart or to your mind or to your marriage have you allowed to just kind of remain cracked open? Man, I mean, sin crouches at the door. I say, keep it, come on, Pastor T, keep it positive. I'm positive that sin is crouching at the door looking for an open door. It's why so many people are getting beat up by the enemy, even people who confess and believe in Jesus. Barna did a, a, a study, George Barna, Barna Research Group. It's a big, massive organization that studies the church at large and our culture and the impact of the church and the culture. And a few years ago, they did a study where they, and it's a big organization, so it was a big study, lots of people. I mean, it, it's probably pretty accurate. They did a study of people who were uh, proclaiming Christians. These were Christian people that they were engaging with. Some other studies that they do, they involve non-believers or people who are agnostic or whatever, but they, they, this, this particular study was people who were proclaiming Christians. And here's what they discovered. 60% of people when the study was taken who said they were proclaiming Christians did not believe that the devil was a real person but rather was a symbol of evil. And here's why the devil loves that. Because you won't step up, stand up, and speak out against someone that you don't believe is real. The Bible has a lot to say about the devil. And the context of what it has to say is victory that's been accomplished and delivered to you and to me and to the church of Jesus Christ through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But is it possible that some people are getting beat up because they don't believe in the very one that's coming against them? And is it possible that through this series and through this message and through this moment that we need to become more aware? The Apostle Paul wrote it to the church at Corinth. He said, we do not want you to be unaware of Satan's schemes. Is it possible that in this series, the Lord will begin to show you or highlight to you maybe an area where you've had a struggle, a skirmish, a battle, or maybe even full-blown warfare, and in this season, God's gonna begin to help you to see it's not just by happenstance or by chance, it's because there's an enemy of your soul who is dead set on coming against you, coming against your marriage, coming against your children, coming against your health. He can't keep you from heaven, but he can meddle with your life on this side of eternity, and through this series, the heart is to equip you and empower you to begin to stand and say, not today, Satan. There's victory. 
The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And reading on that, that same chapter, but a few verses down, verse 15, Genesis chapter 3, which is kind of the culmination of everything that we read about in Revelation 12, about the, the, in, about the, 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 the opposition and about the war that was been, had been declared. This is where it's beginning to happen. God's created Adam and Eve. God's created the people of God. And now the enemy is entering in to try to interfere with their relationship with God. And remember what the enemy showed up and the very first thing he said, did God really say? And there's an attack on, did God really say? Is the Bible really true? Is that really the way to be blessed? Is that really the way to do life? Is that really the way to do marriage? Is that really the way to, to do sexuality? Is that really the way? Did God really love you? Did God really call you? Did God really heal you? Did God really save you? Can God really use you? Did God really say and he's still operating that way today. Verse 15 establishes something, and there's, there's something that is just one word in this verse that we're about to read that's really a powerful word that I think we've kind of glossed over and we haven't done an effective job at digging in and diving in and helping the people of God understand how to operate in what the Lord was establishing for a purpose and a reason. So, so let's read it. Verse 15, Genesis chapter three, and, and this, is, this is God speaking to Lucifer. This is God speaking, and watch what he says. He says, and I, God, will put enmity, say enmity, between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. Speaking of you and I, speaking of Jesus, and speaking of us as Christ followers, we will crush his head. He will only strike at our heel. So he says, God says, I am going to put enmity between the woman and her offspring, those who are faithful to the commands and to the testimony of Jesus, that's you and me. He said, God said, I'm going to place enmity between you and between them. God did it. And I don't think that God wastes time or words. I think it was because he knew that we would have a tendency to become comfortable with things that were killing us complacent with captivity. And he said, I'm going to put enmity. So it's kind of an unusual word. Most of you probably know the gist of what it means, but I went and looked it up. Here's what it means. If you Google it, these are the two definitions that will pop up on yours, the same way as mine, and it says this, enmity, the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. The second definition, positive Active and typically mutual hatred or ill will. Listen, I understand hatred is a little bit of a strong word, but you know that in the Bible, God uses that word and he says that there are things that he hates. And is it possible that some of us are kind of tolerating or allowing things to go on in our own heart, our own mind, our own home, our own marriage, our own city, our own region, our own nation, and we are kind of going with the flow when God has really called us to swim against the stream and he says, I've called you to hate some things that I've hated. He said, I'm putting that there to keep you from becoming comfortable with something that's killing you or complacent with captivity. And it can happen. It can happen. The people of Israel cried, oh, God, when will you hear us? When will you deliver us? God sent Moses, delivered them by the might of his hand, miraculous provision, and just a few miles down the road to the promised land, they were already saying, it would be better if we went back to Egypt. You can get comfortable with captivity. You can get complacent with something that's killing you. And he said, I'm putting something in your heart and I'm calling it enmity. 
And it's, its intended purpose is to allow you and cause you, when you see something, when you encounter something, when you experience something that is not from me, it's not my will, but it's the work of the enemy coming to try to attack you, deceive you, mislead you, that you would begin to recognize that's not from God, and I have an enmity that God has put in my heart towards everything that is not from God, and it's going to move me and stir me to begin to stand up and speak up and deal with that thing so that I can cut it off from my life and from my future heritage. God said, I'll put it there. I put it there. Enmity. You know, um, most of us in this room are old enough to remember there's a few people now, there's another generation that weren't alive to experience 9-11, September 11, 2001. It's one of those times where, you, you, those of you who were alive, you remember where you were, right? Whenever that started to happen. It's one of those times, like for me, Back in the 80s, I remember the Challenger explosion and I remember the teacher walking in and I remember all the things and the emotions and the feelings. I can even remember some visuals of the walk home that day. Just, it was, but 9-11 was one of those types of days where you remember where you were, you remember some of the feelings and the emotions of it as you watched the terror of that day unfold. And for me, I, I was um, with my boss we had a cattle marketing business, and, or he did, and I worked for him, and we, we were in Oklahoma, and we were driving that, across Oklahoma previewing cattle that were being consigned to a registered Brangus and commercial replacement female sales cattle terms. We were about to host and promote and market and conduct this big cattle sale in McAllister, Oklahoma. And we were driving across Oklahoma, meeting with the ranchers and viewing the cattle, and and that, that morning, we'd had a late night, made a lot of miles, and so we hadn't gotten up and gotten going quite as early as we normally would. But we had hit the road, and we were driving across Oklahoma, and if I remember, we had some praise and worship on, and we were having some good conversation. It was early in the morning, and, 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 and the phone rang in my boss's white Chevrolet pickup truck, and it was an old school phone, you know, that was installed right here, and he, he, he pushed the button, and he had the speaker in there and everything, and it was a good friend and customer of ours named Joel Weimer from Salina, Kansas, C&W Ranch. And he, there were no pleasantries. Right away we knew something was wrong. And he said, Andy, Thomas, do you know what's going on? Have you heard what's happening in our nation? And we said, no, Joel, what's up? We could tell something was not right. And he said, you need to turn on your radio. We turned on the radio, and it was one of those days where it didn't matter what channel you tuned to, every radio station had switched over to live news. And we began to listen as we, as we were driving, and we heard about the second plane, and we, as we were driving, and we heard about the tower began to fall, and we gasped in horror as we were listening to it and envisioning it. It was maybe even worse to be hearing it and not be able to see it because, I mean, I don't know what was worse, but I just know it was terrible. And as we were driving across, we began to see people panic and lines began to form around the gas stations in rural communities. And there was a sense of, of just what in the world is going on? We're under attack. As you know, several thousand people lost their lives that day. And it did this, it formed a resolve in the United States of America to begin to step up and to begin to push back against the scheme of terrorism that was set on destroying us. And, and by the way, the Bible's real clear, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, 
against people, but against spiritual forces. And, and you know, even the terrorists that conducted that attacks and are still active and out there today, they're, they're, they're fueled by a demonic spirit. And it actually is tied to this spirit right here that is wanting to eradicate the nation of Israel and every other nation that looks like or supports Israel. So there's, there's spirits. We're not talk, I'm not talking about the people, but here, here's what happened. It, it, it galvanized. September 11th galvanized our, our willingness to respond to this wave of terror that was dead set on taking us out. And here's what a lot of young people maybe don't even know. It wasn't the first time that we had been attacked by Al-Qaeda. 1993, they went to the same building and drove a truck bomb in the basement of those buildings and blew it up, killing six people and injuring hundreds. Embassies and installations all over the world bombed. Many people, servicemen and women killed. 2,000, the USS Cole, they drove a boat up alongside it. They detonated a bomb on the boat and killed 17 awesome U.S. sailors. And yet it still didn't galvanize their resolve to step up and to push back and say, not on my watch, not on our watch. There were some measured things, but nothing like what happened after 9-11. Here's where I'm going with this. Be sober, be alert. The enemy goes around like a roaring lion, looking whom he may devour. You don't wake up divorced. You don't wake up addicted. The enemy slithers into your life and introduces one lie or, or, or one misleading thing or, or, or one thing that causes you to turn your back on God, and it begins the, the series of events. Is it possible that today the Lord just wants to show you the ways that the enemy is coming and he's launching these little attacks against your mind, your heart, your marriage, your family, your church, your city, your community? And he wants you to see it. He wants you to, to realize it, that it's not just happenstance. It's because there's an enemy of your soul and he wants you to begin to dig into what God's word has to say and discover what he's made available to you so that you can begin to push back on that enemy and those lies so that you can avoid your own personal 9-11. Where is it in your life that there's just a door just a little bit open? Where is it today that God would be revealing something? I say it often, he reveals something in us because he wants to heal something in us. And he's just saying, come on, I, I need you to see, I want you to see. That's not by chance. It's because there's an enemy. He has, I have a plan and I have a will and I, it's good and it's perfect and it's pleasing. That's what God's word says. But Satan also has a plan and it's addiction and it's divorce and it's isolation and it's depression and it's despair and it's suicide because John 10, 10 says that the thief, the enemy only comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. But the second half of that verse is Jesus said, but I came, but I came that you might have life, and that's not strong enough of a way to put it, that you might have life and life, what? Abundantly to the fullest. That's the heart of God. There's gonna be a battle, but you are going to win. If you'll dig into God's word and you'll fight according to God's ways. Hey, stand up, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Man. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, people of God, just begin to pray. Just begin to thank God for the victory of Jesus. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. That's God's word. 
And Lord, thank you that you um, care for us so much that you've made this available to us, Lord, this information, this revelation that there's a spiritual realm, we're spiritual beings, that eternity is secure through the cross of Jesus Christ. But now you've entrusted us, we're ambassadors of a kingdom where our citizenship is not of this earth, it's of heaven. But for this day, for this life, in this season, in this age, in this hour, you've entrusted and called us to be ambassadors. Ambassadors are ones sent from a faraway nation or kingdom to another place to present and exhibit and bring about the ruling sovereign dominion of that faraway place. It's what God has entrusted to you. And so, Lord, we thank you. Your heart is for us to begin to recognize all the ways, every place, those that seem trivial, they matter to you. Those that we know are significant, maybe there's some of you in here, again, there's just some little trivial battles, just foxes kind of nipping at your heels. Maybe some of you, there's some pretty intense skirmishes that you're in. Maybe others of you, there's a full-blown war that's being waged in your heart, your mind, your marriage. Today, today, you're not hearing this message by accident. It is because God wants to remind you that you have victory in Jesus. There's gonna be a battle. You're gonna have to fight. But if you'll fight God's way, you're gonna win. You're gonna win. You're gonna stand. You're gonna go move forward. Lord, I thank you that in this, in this day, this message, this series, Lord, that we're opening up, God, we open our hearts to receive, Lord, just a fresh reminder, a revelation of everything you've made possible and available to us the victory of Jesus, the spiritual weapons of our warfare. And Lord, I pray that we would not, that this would not be a foreboding message, but this would quickly, we would have confidence and trust to know that we can stand still, that we can look to you, we can trust you, the battle does belong to you, but our part, there's a posture that we can find, a posture of prayer, a posture of praise, a posture of speaking and declaring the word and the promises of God when the enemy comes in with his lies and deceptions. And I thank you, Lord, that in this season, you would grace me and others who speak into this message to empower this church family to be a people of God, men and women and young people of God who are equipped to stand firm in the face of the battle and to see the victory of Jesus accomplished in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, and come on, all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. All right, one more thing before we sing, one more thing. If you're here today and you're far from God, if you're here today and you're far from God, Maybe you once knew God, served God, loved God, were raised in the church, life has happened, busyness has happened. You're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. You're far from him. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and received the forgiveness, the removal of every sin, every misstep, every dark moment. Jesus came to pay the price for those and to take them off of your shoulders. You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to carry it anymore. You have to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You have to recognize your need for a savior. Say, Lord, come into my life. Make me heal, make me whole, wash me, cleanse me, make me new. If that's you, a prodigal son or daughter, maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. If that's you right now in this room and online, don't wait, lift your hand high towards heaven. It's an outward sign of an inward work. And as you lift your hand, we're gonna pray this prayer with you. We do it for two reasons. 
One is to quickly come alongside everyone who's responding in this room and online and just help them to know and see there's a church family who wants to stand with you and come alongside you, encourage, equip you, minister to you, help you to become set free of some things that have maybe been hindering or holding you back so that you can begin to walk in a new level of freedom and faith towards the future that God has for you. And two, we pray it together every week because it reminds us, come on, we are growing in our faith. We're growing in our faith. We're becoming more mature in our faith. But even as we grow and go to new levels in God, we recognize that everything God ever does in our life is all built on a foundation of grace. And so come on, that's why we pray this prayer together. If you raise your hand, you can lower it. And let's pray together. Come on, repeat it after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you my life, I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, come on, say it with everything you've got, I will never be the same. And then put your hands together with all of heaven for the precious people who came home to him today. Hey, let's worship the Lord one more time together. And then Pastor Michael will come and dismiss you about your day.